Hallelujah. Were you ready for the word this morning? Well, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. We are going to continue on what we spoke last week. Anybody remember what we spoke about last week? I heard it here over here. Stretching, right. Hallelujah. I hear somebody stretching. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I got to respond over there. Stretching. Praise the Lord. You know, our church, um, you know, we are in a time of prayer and fasting, and we have specific things that we're praying and fasting about. And, you know, I was thinking about that. Uh, a lot of us are being stretched. Praise the Lord. Through our prayer and fasting. And I've heard some good uh, reports about praying and fasting some, from some of you. And uh, I, I believe we're all getting stretched. What are we getting stretched for? For the more that God has for us. Right? For the more that God has for us. Praise the Lord. In order for us to have the more, we have to sh God has to stretch us. Put us in situations that will challenge us so that we will grow up and stretch beyond our comfort zones, right? Amen. You know, if, you, um, if you're a certain height person and you're trying to reach something that is way above your height, right? You have to get on your tippy toes and stretch for it, right? Unless you, unless you have a tall person in the house. But some of us, right, we try and we stretch, right? We stretch for it. Praise the Lord. There's great effort. In stretching. But when you grab it, you know, you, you feel rewarded, right? I got it. Right? But it was a stretch. It was a strain to get whatever it was. Amen. And I believe that's what God's wanting to do in us, to stretch us, right? To reach far beyond our comfort zones, the limitations that we've set in our minds, right? We have limitations, we have mindsets that we set ourselves, uh, only so far I can go and no more. But God says, you know, renew your mind. Renew your mind to the way I think. So that you can go beyond the norm. That we're not supernatural people. But we're, I mean natural people. We're supernatural people. Praise the Lord. Amen. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. I'm reading this from the New King James Version. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Where's your behind? I mean, not this. I mean, where's your behind? <laughs> where's your behind? <laughs> I guess I, I got to be careful what I say. It's in the back, right? Yeah, in the back. And reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Right? Verse 14, I press. Man, I, you, you're hearing all these words, right? Reaching and stretching and right? straining and press, right? It seems like there's opposition that is resisting him in order to get where he's going, right? And, he, and there's a goal that he's headed to. And he's going to tell us, I press or I pursued toward the goal. Yeah, there's a finish line. Amen. But if I'm looking behind... 
of everything that's behind, it's hard for me to pursue the goal that is before me. Right? For the prize, everybody say the prize of the upward or the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be talking about stretching for more. This is part two. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It guides us in our everyday decisions and a light unto our path. Lord, the revelations we receive from your word today gives us clarity and a clear pathway in this journey of life, which also causes us to be successful and prosperous in all that we do in Jesus' name. And Father, as your word goes forth today, I pray it will be received by ears that have ears to hear and to heed to the Spirit of God. So that lives will be saved and rescued, hearts will be mended, people's minds will be renewed and transformed into the mind of Christ. And lastly, Lord, that people's bodies will be healed and made whole in Jesus' name. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen and Amen. Brethren, or fellow believers, I do not count myself to have apprehended. That word apprehended means to perceive, possess, or to obtain, or to attain. I have not come to that place. Right? And here you have Paul, the apostle, to me, the one of the greatest apostles. In fact, the world perceives him as one of the ten most intelligent men in the world who wrote three-fourths of the epistles, who had visions, dreams, right? Who had divine uh, visitations. There was one segment in Corinthians where he said, there was a man that I knew who went up to the uh, third heavens and he heard things that he shouldn't have heard. And he was, he was talking, it was him, but he was talking about as if it was somebody else. He went to the third heavens. Where's the third heaven? It's where God's, God's abiding presence is. And he's, he tells us, I've not even apprehended or perceived or possessed or obtained. Because Paul vividly, he remembers, and we ought to remember, the encounter he had with the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to remember the encounter that we had with Jesus Christ, right? On his way, on the, on his way to, on the road of Damascus. And his mission was to persecute the church, fellow Christians. And he was, in his mind, he was a religious person, a person of zeal and passion. And he thought he was doing God's work. Tremendously. And he was doing it passionately with zeal. Until, everybody say until. He had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And how he, Jesus, radically changed his life and his lifestyle. Do you remember when Jesus radically changed your life and your lifestyle? And since then, Paul, the Apostle Paul, made it his lifelong pursuit and his passion to know him. Not know religion, not know doctrine, but to know him. The Christ, the anointed one in his, his anointing. 
And, he go, and if you read the, 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 the passage before that, to know his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. And what he realizes is, what happens is, the more I pursue Christ to know him, the more he reveals and makes known to me about him. And in the process, I uncover and discover amazing and incredible truths about who I am in him. Amen. When you pursue Christ with a passion to know him, guess what? He begins to reveal things to you that you don't know about yourself. Because when you begin to know him, then you begin to know who you are in Christ. The question is, do you know who you are in him? And Paul understood that the opposition, we hear words like press and stretch and, you know, pursue. There was oppositions. And the oppositions, the challenges, the difficulties that comes, right? Paul was saying, these things are coming. Amen. But I consider them not, but only temporal compared to the glory that awaits me. And what was he talking about? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's so much in that statement that he makes. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul had a revelation of the crucified Christ. Amen. And when he made the statement for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, what he was saying, what I feel, right? I'm going to stretch and live and do all for God, full choke, full blast, full on, unstoppable, unmovable, unshakable. Whatever God tells me to do, consider it done. Because for me to live is Christ. When I gave my life to Christ, I'm sold out. Whatever God tells me to do, consider it done. Because when the day comes where I've com fully completed my assignment, to my God-given assignment that God has given to me, then and only then can I choose to check out. See, I won't, go, I won't check out until I have fulfilled my God-given assignment. Because death for the believer is not a loss. We're not losing anything, but it's gaining him and everything else Jesus died for us to give us. And that's what he was saying. Death is not a loss. It's a gain for the believer. So I get to choose when I fulfill my assignment that God's given to me fully. Then I can choose to decide, God, I'm ready. Other than that, I'll keep on living for him. But to die is much greater. He didn't fear death. It was just another step or another chapter into his greater life. No believer should fear death. Amen. Because there's no such thing as death to us. When you have everlasting eternal life that God gave to us, right? Abundant. Eternal 
everlasting life, by the way, is not when we get to heaven. But it began the moment Jesus took up residence inside of you. We don't, wait to get to, we don't wait till we get to heaven to enjoy eternal, everlasting, abundant life. We enjoy it right now. We can live days of heaven here on earth right now. The moment that Christ came into your life, into your heart, is when eternal, everlasting, abundant life began. Zoe. Everybody say Zoe. Zoe, God's life invaded your life when Christ came inside of you. The Bible says, he that is joined to Christ is one spirit with him. Amen. If you are in Christ, Christ is in you. We are joined together. We're not two separate entities. I'm joined with him. We're one. Just as Jesus is one with the Father and the Spirit, I am in that dynamic. I am one with the Father. I am one with the Son. I am one with the Holy Ghost. There's not four different entities. We're one. Just as the body of Christ is one with Him. So in a nutshell, what Paul is implying... What may seem like hardship or suffering for doing what God's called me to do, the preaching of the cross, right? Christ crucified. That was his message. Christ crucified. It's a skip to the park compared to the power of the resurrected Christ to raise me up from the dead and to redeem my natural body, my natural corruptible body in exchange for an incorruptible glorified body. Paul had that revelation. That's why whatever he went through, whatever suffering, whatever opposition, it was like a walk in the park because he knew that he too would be resurrected just as Christ was resurrected. And that he would have his glorified, his body would be redeemed and he would have his glorified body. Amen. And that will happen when the shout from heaven and the trump of God will be sounded. And those who are dead shall be caught up first, and we who are alive shall be caught up with them, right? In the air with the Lord, and forever we shall be with Him. And that's when we shall re receive our glorified bodies. Our spirits are, have been re redeemed. But our bodies have not been redeemed. And that's when we will receive our glorified bodies. We will have a reunion with our family members who have passed on in Christ. We will have a family reunion in the air, in the cloud with Him. And that's what Paul saw. But he makes this statement. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I've learned some things, but I'm still learning. Nor do I even qualify in attaining some great spiritual achievements or accomplishment. But one thing I do. 
One thing I do. Everybody say one thing. Forgetting. It's interesting. Instead of forget, he says forgetting. Right? Because all the accolades and all the accomplishments and all the regrets and all the disappointments and all the failures and all the betrayals, right? Some of us don't forget. We cannot just forget. We have to keep on forgetting. Purposely. Intentionally. Because if we don't, then what's behind is going to keep us from going forward to what God presently had for us here. You see, some of us, some of us are physically, bodily in the present of 2024. But where is your mind at? Is your mind presently in 224, or is your mind back in 223? Or maybe way back when, when somebody hurt you 5 or 10 or 15 years ago. Is your mind stuck back there? Anybody listening to what I'm saying? Forgetting is the Greek word. I'm not going to even try to attempt to pronounce it. It's like one. I will. I'll stretch myself. Ipalanthanomai. Okay. Did you get that? Don't ask me to say it again. And it means to lose out of mind, to forget, or to fail to think of, to neglect. Right? We do that pretty good when we want to neglect somebody, right? Or to dismiss. You ever heard the term out of sight, out of mind? That's what he's saying. Forget. Forget what? Those things which are behind. Right? As I said, where's the behind? In the back, right? Behind. Yeah. Forget everything that's behind. That's what he's saying. The past has passed. So let's get past it. Amen. Let me say that again. The past has passed. So let's get past it. We've experienced victories in the past. But there's more victories to be won in the present. We cannot live around the campfire and talk about all the victories that we once had that God has given us at one time. 
And some of our victories is like five years old. And God's saying, it's time for new victories. It's time to trust me for new victories. It's time to be stretched for new victories, for more that I have. Because if you don't stretch, then there's the more, right? You ever saw those races where these uh, sprinters, right? I mean, at the final end, they stretched their neck and they won by a neck. They trained themselves to stretch their necks. Yeah, at the end. And then when these cameras take the picture, it's like a photo finish. Just because that person went stretched their neck, their head was like a quarter inch ahead. They won. Because they stretched. God wants you to stretch. For more. For the more that he has. For the increase. Paul was saying, my past is my past. Right? No matter how good life was, or how bad it was, or how okay it was, or maybe it was so-so, it was or might have been, it's not worth taking time away from the present moment or the future reality, right? Of where God's wanting you to go. He doesn't want us to be preoccupied with the past, that we miss what God has for us. Yeah. See, Paul uses an example of, of, of an athlete who's in training. He's in training. Right? An athlete who is in training, the reason why he's training, he has one goal. An Olympic person who is training, he has one goal. Just one thing. To win. To win. That's all, that's all, that's all on his mind with his coach. And, he, and he's showing up. You know, the Olympics is what? Every four years, right? And all those times he's training. He's disciplining himself. He's getting up early. He's eating right. He's training. He's exercising. He's out early in the morning. Training, running, whatever. Sacrificing. For what? The one thing. The goal. Is to win. So when the day happens. And he shows up. He's not thinking failure, I'm going to lose. He's thinking, I'm going to finish, I'm going to win. All of those guys are thinking in their mind, I'm going to win. And none of them are, 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 are distracted. They keep themselves from any kind of distraction. They stay focused. They learn how to stay focused. And distractions will come to try to pull their, their thoughts. And when they pull your thoughts, your energy and your thoughts goes that way. Instead of where the goal is. So when a person gets distracted, he changes his focus and his energy. Right? And he forgets what the goal is. What his goal was. And he puts all his energy in this distraction. 
when it was supposed to be to finish the goal, the prize, to obtain the prize. And that's why Paul is saying, forget, forget it, what's behind. There's a goal, there's a place that God is wanting to bring us. We said last week, right? You go where your thoughts go. Your thoughts, the way you think, will influence the choices you make, good or bad, and it will determine in the direction that your life will go. Amen. You know, if a person is bombarded with fearful and worried thoughts or depression, right? And if they don't deal with those thoughts by specifically addressing it by the word, speaking to it, God has not given me the spirit of fear, right? And if they don't deal with it, it will influence them to be fearful or worried person. How do you know you're worried? When you're thinking about it. Amen. When you're thinking about it. Right? So you have to change or you have to answer those thoughts. You cannot battle thoughts with thoughts. You know, if you have a, you have a fearful thought, you start thinking a good thought. It won't work. You have to battle it with words. When a bad thought comes, when the, the lies of an enemy, when the lies of the enemy comes, you cannot think the word. You got to speak the word and address it with the word. Amen. Proverbs four twenty three, the Good News translation said, "Be careful how you think." You ever, you, you ever think about what you think about? He's telling us, be careful how you think. Why? Because your life is shaped or your life is formed by your thoughts. Amen. The word of God, when you declare the word of God, you confess the word, you possess, right? Confession equals possession, right? When you confess the word, what, what are you doing? You're shaping your thoughts. Shaping it into what? You're shaping it to the mind of Christ. And you start to think like God thinks. Because of the renewing of your mind. What is that phrase? Be careful how you think. Why? Why? Because your thoughts become words. Your words become actions. Your actions become habits. Your habits develop character. And your character becomes your destiny. And it all begins with thoughts. You go where your thoughts go. Amen. Like I said, just because your physical body is present in this new year, where is your mind at? Is your mind here in 2024? Is your mind focused on what God has told us to do and what God has for us as Faith Family Maui? How many of you know your mind is your mind? Your mind is your mind. It belongs to you. And you think what you think because of what you choose to think on. Amen. 
You tell your mind what to think. You take control of your thought life. Because it's your mind, right? Don't say, God, help me with my mind. He'll tell you, deal with your mind. I gave you the word. Now you deal with your mind. You have a free will. You have my word. You have my instructions. You do it. Let me ask you, are you victorious minded or victim minded? Don't, don't answer. Are you triumphant minded or troubled minded? Are you praise minded or problematic minded? Somebody shout, let the praise cue begin. Are you coming down with a cough or coming up with a healing? Are you catching a cold or are you catching a healing? Are you spirit-minded, which is, which is life and peace? Or are you carnal-minded, which is death? Are you a warrior-minded or a warrior-minded? How many warriors here this morning? Yeah. Praise the Lord. So there's no warrior-minded warriors. Praise the Lord. That's good to know. The Bible says the righteous abode as lions, but the wicked flees. They run for their lives when no one is chasing them. Any bold and righteous lines here? I said, any bold, righteous lines here? Well, let me hear you roar. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you righteous-minded or sin-minded? Are you kingdom-minded or worldly-minded? Are you prosperous-minded or poverty-minded? Are you Christ-conscious or self-conscious? Take control of your thought life and tell your mind what to think on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you being helped this morning? Yes. Take control of your thought life by searching out God's word and finding truth nuggets, those specific promises, those specific for those specific situations and challenging that you're facing. And when you find them, right, there's over 700 or whatever, 3,000 promises. When you find those specific promises, for the specific challenges that you're going through. Believe it. Receive it. Meditate on it. Feed on it. Speak it. Act on it. And live it. And you'll see the power of God's word become a reality and manifest in your life. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See church, the point is you can think like God thinks according to his word that will renew your mind. Don't let your mind think on whatever it wants to. You are in control of your thought life. Don't be all loosey-goosey about it, letting your thoughts go astray, whatever it wants to go. Right? Be diligent. Discipline your mind with the word of God. Praise the Lord. As I said, you cannot fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. How? By answering them with the word of God. Praise the Lord. When Satan, you know that word Satan? Anybody know what the definition of Satan is? Adversary. Right? It's not that, uh, that uh, alternative meat at uh, down to earth. Satan. You ever had, s it's Satan. You ever had that? 
it's an alternative. When I saw it, I go, Satan? I ain't having Satan. Get thee behind me. But Satan is your adversary. He's your enemy. And when he stops flapping his jaw, how many of you know he's lying? You should know that by now. Right? It shouldn't trigger you. When his jaw's moving, he's lying. And you answer his lies with the word, with the truth, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Amen? Jesus showed us when he was in the wilderness, when he was tempted of the devil, right? Jesus said something to him. Amen. He said, it is written. He didn't get into a conversation. He didn't get into a, a dialogue. All he said, it is written. So when the devil speaks his lies, you just say, it is written. You tell him the word. And that's why it's so important to have knowledge of the word. To have knowledge of the word. So that you have an arsenal. An arsenal of the word. So when these things come up, boom, you know what to say. Right? You know how to respond. And address that. He said, it is written. It's amazing. You have Jesus, the word, right? The Bible says in the beginning was the word. You know, he is the word. He's speaking the written word. And saying the spoken word. All three in one. So we have, to, we have to tell the devil. We have to also tell our minds. Right? What to think on. And here's the thing. Make sure you're feeding and meditating on the right things. Yeah. Amen. Let me say that again. Make sure you are feeding your thoughts, your mind, and meditating on the right things. How many of you know meditating or worry is a form of meditating on the wrong things? Yeah. And some are very skillful in worrying. But we have to become more skillful in meditating on the word of God. Yeah. As I said last week, if we choose to focus and dwell on the past, guess what? We'll end up stuck where we are in the past. Amen? And that's why we don't want to be stuck in the past. Past victories. But Paul says, reaching, reaching, Forward. Another translation says straining forward. And that word reaching means um, to strain. I'm not going to say the Greek word. To strain or to stretch oneself forward to those things which are ahead. And he says, I pursue or I press or I pursue towards the goal for the prize of the upward call 
of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. The American Standards translation said, Brethren, I count not myself yet laid hold. Uh, laid hold. Somebody say, get a grip. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, right? Live in the present, the now. When is faith? Now. Faith is now, right? Now, immediately, instantly, this moment, now faith is, right? So we live in the present, now, now. And stretching, everybody say stretching. Stretching forward to the things that are before. Amen. Stretching. And I press and urge on to the goal, the destination, unto the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. He says, one thing I do. One thing. Interesting, David says in Psalms 27, verse 4, he says, one thing. Everybody say, one thing. He said, one thing I desired of the Lord. Just one thing. There's a lot of things I can ask of God. Right? There's a lot of things we can ask of God. But David makes this statement, just like Paul. There's one thing I do, forgetting. And David is saying, there's one thing I desire of the Lord. And that one thing I desire of the Lord because I want it so much, right? It's burning in my heart. That will I seek after. Amen. That one thing. I don't know what that one, and then he'll tell us what that one thing is. I'll seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That is that one thing that David was asking. Because we know that David was a man after God's own heart, right? He loved the Lord. But to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, not only that, but to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I desired of the Lord. Jesus was traveling with his, with his disciples to Jerusalem. And on the way to Galilee, there was a woman by the name of Martha. And her sister Mary, who was a good friend, Lazarus. Everybody say Lazarus. And she invited Jesus and his entourage to come into her home for a meal. Right? Now, how many of you know his entourage was at least 14 people, 14 men? Right? We don't see that part. But Mary invites, she becomes a host to the Lord. Amen? And she welcomes them into her home. They come into their home, her home, right? And she goes directly into the kitchen and she begins to prepare a meal for Jesus and his disciples. But Mary sits at Jesus' feet. Now you got to mind that uh, these were all men, right? These were all disciples, they were all men. And yet Mary sits right at Jesus' feet. 
And Jesus does not say anything. He doesn't scold her and doesn't tell her, you know what, go help your sister. He allows her to sit at his feet. She takes that position. While Mary is in the kitchen, serving. Mary is at the feet of Jesus, worshiping. She takes a position of listening and worshiping, while Mary, Martha, is in the kitchen, serving, which is great. But in the midst of her serving, she realizes, right, that there's a lot of things that she needs to do, right? She cannot just go to Walmart or Safeway and pick up all the stuff that she needs. They make everything by scratch, right? Everything has, she got to go out and get water. She has to cook whatever, right? Whatever has to cook, everything has to be made by scratch. And she just so happened to see Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, right? And she's thinking, man, I'm having to do all the work. I'm having to serve while she's just sitting over there. Amen. So, like any other person, right, she gets a little perturbed and upset. Well, somebody should be helping me. I'm doing this all by myself, right? And sometimes when we're doing ministry, right, we get so focused on doing the work of the Lord we forget, to, we forget that we're doing the, the Lord's work. Yeah. We get so focused on doing the work of the Lord, we forget that we're doing the Lord's work. So instead of doing the Lord's work, where we're doing it unto Him, we love in Him, it's, we get to, it's now like, I have to. So this thing is building inside of her, right? We've all gone through that. But look what happens. Look what happens. Look what she does. This has affected her so much. She comes out of the kitchen. And she looks at Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that I'm having to do all this by myself? Don't you care? Kind of like the disciples, right? When they were in the storm and Jesus was asleep and he said, let's go to the other side, right? And they were all fearful, you know, of dying. And somebody woke him up and they told Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? I mean, what an understatement to make towards Jesus. Don't you care? Right? He's our caretaker. Right? We cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us unconditionally. But out of the moment of that anger, we say things. Jesus, don't you care that I'm having to do all this thing? Tell my sister, get in here now. I mean, I'm, I mean that's how we would say, right? But it's Jesus sitting there, treating him him with the spirit of familiarity, having no honor, reverence, 
and be able to say that in his presence. And you know, I believe Jesus appreciated what she was doing, but he didn't appreciate how her attitude was in contrast to her sister. And he said, Mary, Mary, you are encumbered with such, so much things. You are distressed. You are upset about many things. One thing, Mary has found that one thing, and it will not be taken from her. Yeah. Mary found that one thing. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell Martha. Mary found that one thing. It was to sit by my feet and to worship and to listen what I have to say. Because the Son of Man came not to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve. That's my mission. I'm here to serve you, Martha. You're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. So you should have taken your place while I serve you. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. What I have to give is eternal and everlasting. What you have to give is temporal for the body. But what I have to give you is for spirit, soul, and body. And Mary has found that. That one thing. And I ain't going to take it from her. Everybody say one thing. When we were faced with that, um, what is that, 2020, the COVID, and um, we had, we had never gone through something like that ever, worldwide, even for the church. So we were having to navigate, listening to what other churches were doing, um, you know, all of these things, to try to at least get some kind of bearing of what was going on and what to do as the church, as pastors. And I remember listening to this one and this one and this one. This is what we're doing and this is what we're doing. And they were great ideas. Listening to the news and staying in contact, you know. And, uh, and I remember the Lord spoke to me and he brought me to that scripture of Martha and Mary of how to be a good host for the Lord. How many of you know we are a host to the Holy Ghost? Yeah. How many of you know you are a host to the Holy Ghost? There's a divine person that is living inside of you, whether you realize it or not. We are hosting the very presence and the glory of God. Right? So it's, it, it, is, it will be great to, to um, learn... Uh, who he is, what his purpose is in our lives, right? And, dig, and get to know him so that you can be a great host to him. And the Lord led me one morning to that scripture because I was like, um, it was like I was hearing all these voices, but I wanted to hear God's voice. God, what do you have to say in all of this? Because that's the only voice that matters. 
And he brought me to that scripture, that, 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 uh, that account. And when I read it, and I saw where Mary sat, she took her place by Jesus' feet. The Lord says, that's where you need to be in order to hear me how to navigate through this. And he said, I want you to wake up every morning and come at that place and sit and listen. Not pray, just listen. I wouldn't say it was immediately. It was like four or five days after. Then I began to hear. He began to speak. And through that, he was able to navigate us, give us instructions on what to do. Yeah. From that place of worship, that one place, that one place. Amen. You know, I'm great. Uh, you know, when come time for prayer, you know, some of us, we pray sitting down on the chairs. Some of us, we stand up. Which is fine. But for that time, the Lord says, let's do it old school. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. You know, I read, I read, uh, I read stories about even Roberts, the one who God used in the Welsh revival. I read about James Seymour, the one God used in Azusa Street. I read about all these different men, Smith's Wigglesworth, all these men of God that God used. And I look at their prayer life, Martin Luther King, Junior, man of God, who started the civil rights. And I look, at, I, I look at their lives of why they were so successful in what, God, what they were doing for God. They were prayer warriors. And a lot of them have had, had what they call, um, gotten what they call camonies. What is camel knees? They would build up so much calluses on their knees, like camels. How? From being on their knees, praying for hours. Yeah. James Wesley said, set me on fire and people will come and watch me burn. Amen. Church, God wants us to stretch. Whether it's in our prayer life, whether it's in our study time, devotion time, what you have been doing now, which is great, but some of us can stretch ourselves even more. Amen? We can stretch ourselves for the more that God has for us, right? Let me find a closing. Think about, uh, let me read this uh, Psalms 27 verse 4. Um, message translation. 
He says, I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty and I'll study at his feet. He says, I'm asking God just for one thing. I'm not asking him for resources. I'm not asking him for finances. I'm not asking him for healing, which those are available if I ask him. But I'm just asking him for one thing. To live with him in his house my whole life long. And I'll contemplate his beauty and I'll study at his feet. Now let me throw this out. Think about it. Just think about it. If we, if we or you were, asked, were to ask for one thing like David, and I know the, the Bible says, I'm just throwing this out, you know, maybe as a challenge, whatever, but I know what the Bible says, what, what things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them, right? We can have what we say. But I'm coming at this in a different angle. If you were to ask for one thing, like David. If you were, you were requesting for that one thing of God for 2024, and you knew that you knew that you would see that one thing, that one promise, that one miracle, that one person come to Christ, whatever it is that you requested, and if that one thing was granted from God, that you will be deeply grateful and thankful and blessed in knowing that God has done enough for you for the whole year. What would that be? What would that be? Just that one thing, Lord, just that one thing. Would you do it for me, Lord? That one thing I'm asking. That's all. I'll be grateful. I'll be blessed. I'll be thankful for that one thing. And Lord, I will be satisfied if that one thing came to pass this year. We recently had that one thing happen for us, supernaturally. And yes, we're grateful and we're thankful for God for doing it. Because if it wasn't for the God, if it wasn't for God, it could not have been done. Amen. And we celebrate it. We're grateful for it. We thank God for it. Now, we can, do, we can go on to another thing. Right? You remember last year of March, the Lord gave us a word? And the word was, uh, our greatest and best days are before us. And just because God has given us the word a year ago doesn't mean that word still is not valid. It's still alive. If you believe it and receive it, that our greatest and best days are before us. Right? And he told us, right? Eyes have not seen nor ears heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for us, for those that who love him. Right? And he challenged us. Right? To write down those things. What would your greatest and best days look like? Amen. Possibility thinking. Right? To think like God. That all things are possible. 
Right? There's no limitation, only unlimitation. Right? Anybody remember that? And he told us to write it down. Specifically, articulate what would your greatest and best days look like. And one of, them, one of those I wrote down was that which happened. Now I'm believing for the other three other things that I wrote down. Amen. But God wants us to stretch. He wants us to stretch as a church. To enlarge the borders of our territory. Not only to occupy our place. Yes, we've already done that. And occupy, occupy means we're not idle. And just waiting and sitting around and singing kumbaya. But occupying our place is doing what God's called us to do. Being active and doing what God's called us to do. Amen. Because God's kingdom, right, is always forward. God's kingdom does not have reverse. There's no such thing in God's kingdom of reverse or looking behind or retreating or backtracking or backpaddling. No such thing. It's always forward. It's always forward motion. Just like a football game. The object of the football game is to get that ball in the end zone. It's all about moving forward and getting that pig skin in the end zone and scoring a touchdown. But when you get penalized, then you got to backtrack, right? And that's not what God wants for us. So praise God for the Holy Ghost. Because with the Holy Ghost, we are spirit-led. We're learning how to be spirit-led and spirit-guided by the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit will always lead us forward. I love what Pastor Nancy said. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to your answers. He'll always lead you to your answers. He'll always lead you to the Word. Because your answers are in the Word. Your answers are not somewhere here. He'll lead you straight to the Word. And that's where you find your answers. Amen. Somebody say, I need to stretch. For more. Hallelujah. And when you feel that the Lord is stretching you, smile and say, praise the Lord. I'm being stretched. Glory to God. Have at it, Lord. Hallelujah. Kind of like the little boy, short little boy, who wanted to join the basketball team. And he said, Dad, Dad, I want to join the basketball team. Took him to the basketball uh, coach, and uh, the coach says, you know what? Uh, we already filled the, the roster, right? And, um, but you know what? If you take your boy down to the gym, put him on a stretching machine and stretch him, and come back in about four or five months, I might consider him. So about four or five months later, the coach sees the dad at the, the store and says, hey, how's that stretching thing going with your son? The dad says, uh, not too good, but he did confess a whole, whole bunch of things. <laughs> Somebody say stretch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for your word this morning.
Father God, we thank you that we are humbled and that we are obedient and we are hearers and also doers of your word. For Lord, we know that the greatest act of obedience is to believe you and to trust you. So Father, as Paul says, Lord, that we have not apprehended, we have not learned all there is to learn, Father God, of what you have for us. But we know, Lord, that there's a goal, there's a prize to be obtained. And Lord, as we keep our eyes on the prize, Lord Jesus, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we keep our eyes on the prize and on you, Lord, on your word. And we forget those things which, which are behind, the things that are behind us. And we, we focus and we reach and we stretch forward for the things that are before us, Father God. You gave us your word, Father, your prophetic word for this year. That this place, Lord, would be a glory center. Where your glory and your presence would come and abide upon this place. And that miracles and supernatural things would occur. So we lay hold on those promises, Lord God. We thank you for all the answered prayers, all the miracles, all the healings that you did last year, all the victories that we witnessed last year, that you brought us through, Lord, but there's more to obtain, Father, in this year. There's more to reach for. There's more to stretch for. Because in the stretching, Father, we grow. We develop. We develop. And we become stronger, Father, in the stretch. So, Lord, we yield, we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We yield ourselves to the Word. And we allow Holy Spirit to stretch us. We know that stretching does not hurt us or cause us pain. It just develops us and makes us grow. In Jesus' name. So we embrace it, Lord, and we thank you for it. As we are all being stretched together in this season, and that we will reach and obtain, Father, that which you have given us and placed before us in this, this year, 2024, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We receive it by faith. We believe it, we receive it, and we live it, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.